EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash insideems. Well, this is it. Once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Sotolero, and my friend is sitting right next to me. Actually, he's not, but I just feel his presence. Kelly Grayson. KG, what's going on? It's because I've got a powerful aura, man. I just I project my, my essence across the miles. You just need a astral shower. Projection. Just a shower will take care of that aura. Just I'll tell you that. Astral projection to, to Chris Sabalero's podcasting studio. That's what I'm doing. You're just sending me strength. Sending me the strength across the line. <laughs> That's right, man. How you been? Good, good, man. Things are going well, and you uh, had a, a trip, and I guess you had a good time. You're all recharged and ready to go. Oh yeah, yeah. I got to uh, got to get bit by some mosquitoes oh, and awesome, see some yeah. beautiful scenery and and catch some fish and 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 hang out with my brother from another mother. So. Uh, that's really good. good, man. Those mosquitoes went out for Cajun, I guess, that night, didn't they? That's, that's right. They like it spicy. That's right. So, um, you know, Kelly, a, a couple weeks ago, there was this article that came out of Minnesota that was really kind of uh, a scathing that kind of talked about the relationship between police and EMS when it came to medication administration. And I know you read the article and you've been following it and certainly I've been doing it. We've kind of been talking back and forth for the past couple of weeks about, you know, should we talk about it? And, and really what we determined was there needs to be an EMS perspective on this. I mean, we're hearing so much from the news side. We're hearing so much from the police side, even the medical director from the EMS agency is saying, you know, this is just, this is just a bunch of uh, fooey. I don't even, have a no yeah. word is fooey a word how about how about hooey but i'm gonna let you set it up for the listeners so we could chat about it yeah um article out of the uh, minneapolis star tribune um pointed at the the practice of minneapolis police requesting help from hennepin county ems workers uh, or hennepin hospital ems workers to use ketamine to sedate uh some of their patients um and you know this this article is is I don't want to call it yellow journalism, but it's the, throughout reading it, you notice that that even though the the author uh, the columnist uh, Andy Mannix tries to offer a balanced view, it's pretty obvious that there's an anti-ketamine slant and 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 uh, why are you you um, sedating all these people uh, and and it's just a good example of of you don't even know what you don't know. The whole tone of the article is is that supposedly police and EMS are drugging people. Um, what, what's ignored is is why and the safety of the drug. And there's a bunch of uh, of, of incomplete and inaccurate data about ketamine in here. But basically, they point to the fact that that uh, on, there were several dozen cases where um, police officers uh, have requested Hennepin County. Uh, uh, medical center EMS providers to sedate people with ketamine. Um, what they don't say is why. 
um, and and I'd like to hear your thoughts on them. And it, this is not an unusual practice for Hennepin County. You know this. You know know this with Christian Hospital EMS. I'm sure that your guys were uh, were requested by police on more than a few occasions, and I do this at Acadian as well. Um, quite often, we see people that that their first contact with with public safety or public health is is law enforcement and when law enforcement discovers that uh, this is more than than a set of handcuffs in the jail cell is going to handle they call medical professionals which is totally appropriate yeah and i think that you're you know one of the things that you hit on is we work very closely in that and a lot of times when we get these calls we know exactly what we're going to be running into by the time we get there and when we think about the patients that meet the protocol a lot of times our police partners know what our protocols are because they've been running with us for so many years that they know what we're going to do when it comes to these patients and this care. So when we say that they're, you know, you know, uh, telling the paramedics to give this drug, are they really telling them or are they really saying, I think we have a patient that's going to need this treatment? You know, because... You know what I mean? Because we know, you know, we know how we're going to treat these people. We got protocols that say when you run into this patient, do this, 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 and this. Use this procedure, that procedure, this medication, that medication. And our police partners and our fire partners, they're not, you know, they're not uh, uh, dumb to the fact of the things that we're going to do. Similar to that of when a first responder comes up to us who may be an EMT or may not even be, a, a, you know, a, a medically trained, may just be a firefighter will say here's a patient that had this and i think they're going to need this and yeah. they may be right they may be incorrect so i found it to be very very one-sided i think mm-hmm. that you know from our police partners you know we get information from them and we certainly give information to them i think that this sometimes is a partnership but i don't see it to where they're saying you need to give this drug to this patient or else or you need to give this drug to this patient because i said so i think it's just the it's just the integration between the two organizations that they're aware of how we're going to treat our patients i mean that's what i thought automatically and i certainly didn't think there was any uh anything beyond that uh in this whole prospect well, you know, th- this entire article is written with this undertone that that uh, the cops and the EMS people are collaborating and 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 drugging people uh, like that's somehow a bad thing. Uh, quite frankly, some people need to be drugged, <laughs> and and the the police are really in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation because. 10 years ago or a little maybe 10 to 15 years ago um you're calling for these emotionally disturbed people or people with uh, uh on drugs and and potentially suffering from excited delirium and there's these rash of in custody deaths and what were we as a medical community saying uh, about the cops in that regard you need better training you need something more than the blunt instrument of restraint, physical restraint and force uh, to take care of these people. You need to consult with medical professionals because they have a medical problem that we can handle. And now that they're doing that, then the press is coming in and second guessing them. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you've got a patient with excited delirium. They make the point in here that many of these patients were sedated th- with this drug after they were already restrained to a backboard or to the stretcher. Um as if uh, that was overkill, um, which or that's going to make a difference. That's going to keep somebody with excited delirium down. You know, yeah. Um, what they don't, and and here's 
perfect example of they don't know what they don't know. What they don't realize when you have someone with excited delirium uh, or, or, or some type of mania um, that when you tie the patient down and they can no longer physically harm you, they can still physically harm themselves. You haven't stopped the fight. And the goal in treating excited delirium is to stop the fight. Physical restraint merely shifts the fight from officers and paramedics versus the patient to patient versus restraints. Uh, and all the same metabolic processes are still going on. These people are on an express train to death if we don't derail that train somehow. And one of the, and one of the great drugs we have for that is ketamine. Yeah. And they're talking about ket, you know, and and they 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 post some some ill-informed commentary about a a patient who's finally calming down. They call ketamine a date rape drug, and and uh, well, I mean, it uh, did have, but it did have those, well, and, it, and that's it, one it, of the things it, I it, wanted it, to touch on. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's also a horse tranquilizer, but it right. also has an excellent uh, an excellent. Um, uh, effects profile and, and side effects profile that make it ideal for what we're using it sure. for and ideal for this situation. You know, but they also say that, you know, one cop says, uh, uh, you just hit the K hole. Um, meaning that supposedly that, that he is, uh, uh, the ketamine finally kicked in, which is not what a K hole is. Uh, a K hole is that, uh, similar to it. I guess we're calling it an emergence phenomenon now. Um, but, the ketamine kicking in isn't isn't really the k hole sure. uh, as as the users the the abusers used to call it. Um, well, it's let me, merely the the drug working like it's supposed to. Right. Let me ask you this question though, Kelly, because I was thinking about this because you mentioned you know ketamine as a date rape drug, but a, a lot of people may not know. But ketamine well, mentioned it. I just disagreed. <laughs> well, but I, but I, I, I'm saying that it 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 was used for those reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, and you may not know the hit GHB and several exactly, exactly. But people may not know that ketamine has been around since 1962, and but one of the things that it was used for was a derivative of PCP. So now you've got it in the realm of date rape. You got it in the realm of PCP. How much of this story? And I'm asking the question. I don't know the answer, but how much do you think this story was developed? based on the misunderstanding of what this drug really does? Uh, I think a lot of it. I think that that just reading this article, um, the research consisted of a Google search uh, and and a quick skim of a few websites. Um, and it's pretty obvious. You know, they, he makes the point that, uh, and, and he makes some logical leaps here. Uh, he says that several of these patients had to have a breathing tube inserted after administration of ketamine, uh, and someone needs to explain to, to Mr. Mannix that uh, correlation does not equal causation. Um, that one of the reasons we give ketamine as an analgesic and a sedative is that it has very little uh, hemodynamic and, and respiratory uh, effects. Uh, they maintain their blood pressure and their heart rate, and they maintain their, their respiratory drive just fine with ketamine, far more so than some of the other drugs that we routinely administer. Um, and the fact that a patient had to have a breathing tube inserted does not mean that the ketamine caused it. It might just mean that you waited too darn long to give the ketamine and the patient wore themselves out before you got them sedated right. uh, effectively. Uh, and, and you had to ventilate, uh, intubate them and ventilate them to, to, to help attenuate the acidosis they generated while you were screwing around wondering if you should give ketamine or not. So it just, you know, I'm trying to be fair because 
you, what, you read the article and it goes back and forth. He gives some objective, factual information about ketamine. And then he comes back to that same trope about doping people up and, and, and date rape drugs and, and look at all these bad things that happened after ketamine was given. You do autopsies of airline pilots who have, uh, who have been involved in fatal crashes and, and 75% of them have pickles in their stomach. Ergo, pickles must cause airline crashes. Uh, is that, is that, is that true? <laughs> Correlation does not equal causation. Oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, how the heck did you know that there were pickles in their stomach? But anyway, you're, you're weird, man. But so that's, that's my point. You know, yeah. that, that just because two, two, uh, events are linked does not establish a causal relationship. And this, this reporter does not get that. Someone needs to clue him in. Uh, hopefully some of our readers will be respectful, uh, and, and try to set the, uh, the, uh, Minneapolis star tribune straight, uh, in some letters to the editor. But, uh, uh, we urge you to be respectful when you do that and, and be professional, uh, fill in some of the, the holes in this guy's knowledge base. You know, Kelly, this is a really good example because you and I have had these discussions before of a news agency that has done an article and has given, you know, painted a, a good EMS department in a bad light. But mm -hmm. in these cases, what are we supposed to do from an EMS agency's standpoint to, to fix, I mean, everybody in EMS knows what's going on here. Everybody in EMS understands this, you know, this situation. But the people that read this newspaper are now looking at the police department who's supposed to protect and serve and looking at this EMS department who has a great reputation and saying, hey, what the heck's going on here? But there really needs to be some type of, uh, I don't know, some feedback loop that talks about, you know, this was an article that was fair and there needs to be something that's printed or retracted that says maybe we didn't get this story just right. But, you know, we, we see this all the time, Kelly, and what are we really supposed to do about it? Well, we're, I think we're supposed to, to give that feedback. Uh, there, there's a mechanism. There are comment sections in, in these in online uh, editions of these newspapers. There are letters to the editor. Uh, you don't have to, you know, haughtily demand a retraction and an apology, but you can calmly, rationally, factually set the record straight uh, and point out the the factual inaccuracies and and the the incorrect assumptions made in the article. Uh, and by being calm and rational, uh, I think we'll we'll um, and dialing back our anger a little bit. I think we'll uh, we'll be more effective. Uh, and the people that read the newspaper that read that original article and then sees uh, a medical professional behaving professionally. Uh, in the comments, uh, setting you know, uh, setting the record straight or, or dispelling those those false notions um, is going to help help uh, with the image of, of both departments. What what this is just scare tactics. Th this was a scare story. Uh, I don't know if he went out to to inflame the public and to inflame public sentiment against Hennepin County Medical Center EMS and Minneapolis PD officers. But that's the effect it's going to have, uh, and and calmer heads need to prevail and and point out to the public uh, that um, hey man, this guy's a, a newspaper reporter and he missed a few things. Here, let's clue you in on on uh, uh, what he missed. What many people may not appreciate is, is I've got friends that work in that system and have worked in that system for many many years, and uh, Hennepin County Medical Center uh, paramedics. Um, have long had this is not 
something new to them and they they have pretty extensive training in both physical and chemical restraint um, and and uh, and a long tradition of being able to do this well and do this effectively they're one of the few EMS systems in the country where their paramedics carry handcuffs and they're taught how to use those handcuffs and apply them appropriately um, in the same police academy that those Minneapolis PD officers went to the the point being is that their medical director gives them plenty of tools in their toolbox to manage uh, combative and psychiatric patients effectively uh, and and to do it safely for both the provider and the patient. Uh, and this is no different. This is just another tool in the toolbox that, as far as I'm reading in the, in the newspaper article, is being utilized effectively. We need to make that point when we, when we send our letters to the editor of the, of the uh, Star Tribune. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think, and we think that the Minneapolis Star Tribune should hear what you think as well. So email us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Civilero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>